Hey, Brian here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock at 4302 Canal Street. and We'd love to have you anytime you want to stop in and worship with us. If you want to learn a little bit more about Mid-City Vineyard, check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, and of course online, midcityvineyard.org. This past week, uh, we kind of kicked off or moved into our third year as a community of faith in the community for the community. And so for this particular week, uh, I actually spent a little bit of time just catching our Mid-City community up on uh, how my personal life has been impacted by our community of faith, how the Holy Spirit has been forming and shaping and molding me personally. And uh, so I just, uh, I want to take that time to share with our church as I ask people so often to share their stories. So I wanted to take a minute to share part of mine. So I hope you enjoy. Let's head on over to the podcast. Much peace to you. Well, listen, uh, the podcast is up from last week. Uh, Last week we titled it Happy birthday, MCV, because last week we celebrated two years as a church that was. And it was super fun because uh, different people just got up and, and, and said some things about what God has been doing in their lives personally, uh, what God has been doing in their lives through Mid-City Vineyard. Uh, and, and when we say through Mid-City Vineyard, basically through the community, through, through one another. And so the, the stories last week were so cool, and we got them all on, on the podcast. So if you weren't here, uh, you would be able to jump on there. Jeremy uh, spoke last week, uh, and I know I'm going to miss somebody when I do this, so if it's you, I'm sorry already. Um, I'm just, Jeremy spoke, Javier spoke, uh, Karen spoke, uh, Seth spoke, I, I, I'm missing him, Micah spoke. And there was one more, Esperanza. Oh, see, so she can't get her feelings hurt because she's not here. So, uh, oh, that was, yeah, Toya uh, from Esperanza Charter School right down the street, who is the assistant principal down there. Uh, We invited her, and she just came and talked to our church because we've done so much with with them. And it was just really, really cool. And so I have this thing where I, Micah, throw that next slide up. I'm regularly asking you guys if you would send me your stories. I want to know, hey, what kinds of things is the Holy Spirit Stirring in your hearts, stirring in your souls. What kinds of things is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? What, what ways are you being impacted by the community of faith? And so I've been asking you guys, hey, if you have a story, whether it's a paragraph or, or, or maybe it's 500 to 1,000 words, would you send that? Would you, would you sit down and, and take a moment to, to write that out? And we've been putting those in our, our newsletter once a month. We're trying to put just a, a story in there. And uh, the stories have been coming in very slow, and I get that, but I'm going to still ask you to send me, send me your stuff so we can share it with, with the whole church. Well, what I got to thinking was, you know what, I want to I wanna share some of my story, because just like you guys, I ask you all the time, I'm like, hey, what, what kinds of things is God doing in your life? I want to know what God's doing in your life. I want to know how the community is impacting you. But you know, uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is, like, we're all, you know, I get up here in front of you every week, but we, we understand, hopefully we understand, um, we're all on the same playing field here. We're just, we're just a bunch of sojourners who are walking through this life with one another and with Christ. And so uh, sometimes I have found that, that um, churches sometimes put pastors on pedestals. Sometimes I find that pastors put themselves on pedestals. Uh, and I just think, I, I think that, that both, are, both are a complete, um, complete just, uh, injustice 
to the, the community of faith, to the pastor, and, and all together. And so I want to share a little bit uh, with what's going on with me through Mid-City Vineyard. And, and uh, this is kind of part story, part teaching tonight, because I think that there are some things for us moving forward now into year three uh, for us as a group. And the first thing that I really want to do for, for our, our church tonight is once again invite you, as we move into the third year, to, to, to connect with, uh, and I, I, I realized this week that we probably need to do a few talks and teachings and exercises on what does that even mean, like how do I connect with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so tonight I'll use that language and maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll talk about that, but, but what does it look like to, to, to respond or to recognize what the Holy Spirit's inviting you into in your life? And in this community of faith and in this larger community in Mid-City, what, is the, what does it look like to recognize what the Spirit is, is inviting you into? And then what does it look like? What, how do you respond? And how are you responding uh, to the things that God is doing in your life? And so that's, a, that's an invitation for everyone once again. It's kind of, I, I like this idea. It's not January 1st, so we're not, you know, it's, it's March something. And so we're not all like, yeah, hoorah, let's, let's make some new goals. Now we're in the middle of March. And so I can invite you in the middle of March to say, hey, let's give, it, let's give this thing another year. Let's, let's give each other another year as a community of faith. Let's, 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 uh, let's commit to being connected to each other and seeing how God wants to really use us and continue using us in our community. That was the thing about Toya last week. The assistant principal from a local public school coming in and just saying, and she did say, she's like, you guys are awesome. And she was talking to you. I, you guys are awesome. The things that, that we as a, as a church have been able to do in that school and the lives that we've been able to impact has just been mind-blowing to me uh, in, this, in this short amount of time for, for this, for this uh, um, small group of ragamuffins, as Brennan Manning calls us, which I love, by the way. So a little bit about where I am and how I am being shaped and how I am being formed and how I am being uh, transformed and changed through the life and the community of Mid-City. At the top of my list, and this is why I encourage you to write your story down too, because it's not until you start writing this stuff down and actually journaling it or writing a letter to someone or thinking about it that you actually begin to put the pieces together of, oh, wow, I didn't even realize God was doing that in my life. Because we don't go, we don't, we don't go slow enough to recognize these things. Um, so the biggest thing for me uh, in, these, in these first couple of years with Mid-City, and I think this might sound a little bit cliche, like this is what I was supposed to learn, but whatever, it is where I am. So it's this idea of trust. It's, it's, this, it's this movement towards uh, placing more trust in the person of the divine, the person of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's this trust in, in sensing what God is doing and then following what I sense God doing. Have you ever sensed God doing something in your life and so you followed it only to realize that it was a train wreck? Now, if that's ever happened to you, it leaves you scratching your head, thinking, first off, or usually our first thought is, what in the hell is wrong with God? How did God get this so wrong? The second thought is, wait, 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 maybe it wasn't God, maybe it was me. How did I miss God? I find rarely, though, that Christians come to the place of saying, maybe it wasn't, maybe God wasn't off, and maybe I didn't miss God. Maybe 
I heard exactly what God was saying and, and sensing, and I followed just as I was supposed to, and maybe it still ended in a train wreck, and maybe that's okay. Now, in many Christian circles, um, that, that sentence alone it would be considered blasphemy or heresy of some sort. It's not, but it would be considered that because many Christians have this, this high and mighty view that if I follow Jesus, everything will work out fine and, and to the T. But I, I like to remind folks all the time, one of my favorite verses, or least favorite perhaps I should say, is the verse where Jesus says, just let me remind you, in this world you will have trouble. You will. Here it comes. Did someone just start singing Taylor Swift? No. Oh, it was Ryan. <laughs> oh, okay. Who is it? It doesn't matter. So here's the thing. Trust is really this movement of bringing my life back to the divine no matter what is going on. It's this idea that, you know what, I, I went down this path and I sensed this was God. And then maybe it, it blew up. Maybe it blew up in my face. Maybe it was a complete train wreck. And the, the trust comes in. But is God still present? Do I still trust God with my life? Do I still trust that God is present? Do I still trust that God still loves me deeply? Do I still trust that God is merciful and, and, and that God is benevolent towards me. That, that, to me, is where we've moved now from trust. We've taken our trust out of this magic God who pulls giant rabbits out of his cosmic hat, which is what many Christians tend to have this understanding of God, and we've now moved to a place of, you know what? God is still good. God is still present. God is still with me. God is still here. And so I will continue to press in and move with God. So for us, and, and this, this whole trust thing, uh, you know, I have, it, and, and we love the victory stories, so I'll give you a few. Because I think we need victory stories in order to, to keep building our trust, but then we also need to have some failure stories in the, in the process and realize that God is still, still good and still with us and still present. But uh, did I ever tell you guys the story of uh, us selling our house to, to move down to Mid-City a couple of years ago. Um, in, in the event that I didn't, I, I will now. And if I did, sorry. So Christy and I are, are sitting uh, in our den one day. We were living out in Kenner. And we, we just, we sensed that, the, that our time in Kenner, uh, we actually sensed this long before we, we followed through on it. But we sensed that our time in Kenner had come to a place where, where God was like, you know what, this, is, this isn't where I ha have you. This is not what I'm doing here. I, I, I have a space. I have a place that I, I really, I want you, mid-city. And we sensed that. And so we had finally come to a place of potentially following through on it. But in our neighborhood at the time, uh, and I'm just going to use random Random numbers. Uh, let's just say uh, houses in our in our neighborhood f were selling for uh, $175,000. Uh, those were the comps. But we were in a position where we needed uh, $210,000 for our house. And so there was, it, it was, you know, you look at the comps and you're like, there's no way because there are nicer houses than ours 
going for way less. And I said to Christy, I said, this is never going to happen. We can't, we can't uh, afford to make this move. We can't afford to do some of these things and make this jump. And so what we need is we need someone to knock on our door. And we need them to say, hey, I'll give you $210,000 for your house. And Christy and I both went, ha, 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 ha. So a few days later, uh, phone rings, and it's a real estate agent. And she says, hey, listen, Mr. Johnson, uh, I got word through a friend of a friend that you were thinking about selling your house. She says, I have clients who have been looking in your neighborhood. They're looking for a house that sounds to me like it's very much like yours, and they would like to come see your house. May we do that? I said, well, we don't have a for sale sign in the yard. Uh, we don't have anything in place. I don't have a real estate agent. I don't know how to sell a house by owner. We haven't vacuumed in at least three weeks. Uh, when do you want to come by? And she said, could we come by in about an hour? Sure. So, you know, most people, when they're trying to sell a house, they paint some walls and they declutter and, and they, they vacuum. Uh, we just sat on the sofa and waited for one more hour for them to arrive. They arrive, they knock on the door, they come, they walk through the house, they seem like they like it. They say, how much do you want for it? I said, $215,000. They said, ooh, okay, well, we'll call you sometime. They leave. They call back, literally, four minutes later. Mr. Johnson, this is the agent. My clients are wondering if you would take $210,000. Yes. Yes, we will take that exact amount. They want to know if you can move out in 30 days. Our house isn't even for sale. Yes, we can move out in 30 days if they can give us the money. So now we have to move out in 30 days. We have five children. We have a lot of crap. We have nowhere to go. We have no idea what we're going to do. We don't even have an agent. So... Uh, Three days later, a woman walks in to uh, my office at the time, and she says, I was wondering if I could speak to you for a minute. Uh, she says, I have a, uh, an upstairs at my house. Uh, she had recently been widowed. Her three grown children had moved out, and she said, I want to invite you and your family to, to live with me for a little while, if you would like to, uh, while you look for a house. And we said, that'd be amazing. We figured that'll take four or five weeks, maybe six. That'd be fantastic. We'll get that done. So we move in with her. We have a place to move. We get our money for our house. We move into her house. And then we decide we want to buy a dump and we want to renovate it. And the contractor says, yeah, we can do that. It's going to take four months. So we say, fantastic. Let's do that. So we go back to the woman and we say, we know we're supposed to live with you for four weeks. Do you mind four months? No, that'd be wonderful. You can do four months. And then because we were dealing with a contractor, you know, it obviously didn't take four months. And it obviously didn't take less than four months. <laughs> They never overshoot those things. Uh, it took a year. And she said, why don't you just live with me for the whole year? But there's seven of us. That's fine. Just don't bring your dog, she said, which was hard. But we were able to do it. We spent Halloween at her house. We spent Christmas at her house. We spent Thanksgiving at her house. We spent Easter at her house. Our family lived and dined. And it was just, it was an amazing thing. It was one of these things where you just kind of see God putting, it, it seems, I, I don't know how else to explain it. But it just seemed like these pieces were falling into place. We trust God. We keep moving forward. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, other things that, that maybe don't work out as well. Um, so when we, when we built our house, you know, we, we, we really sense a particular leading to go in a particular direction, to use a particular person and, and pay a particular amount of money. And for the most part, I just want to tell you that uh, I sensed God leading me in that direction. I went in that direction, and it was a train wreck. 
We've been spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars since getting our home brand new to fix our house. And that has been just incredibly difficult. Um, and then what, is, what does God seem to do? God seems like the stories we heard last week about people needing jobs and praying and trusting. And, and then, boom, like God just seems to do these kind of cool things. And, 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 and even you guys, the community of faith, blessed Christy and I a few weeks ago with, um, with an amazing offering in order for us to, to fix our house. Uh, some things that thousands of dollars worth of damage that we needed help with. And so, you know, it's just trust is one of these things. And people ask me all the time, so how's Mid-City Vineyard doing? I think it's doing great. Uh, you guys, um, is it where you want it to be? Some areas. Other areas, not so much. Uh, does that scare you every day? Yes? Yes. Uh, what are you going to do about it? And I just feel like God says, just keep riding. You just keep trusting. Now, does that mean that because we trust God, that that means that everything, even in, in, in our move to Mid-City or even in this community of faith, or everything's just going to be easy and, 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 and flow? And, and it, No, of course not. It doesn't. Maybe we could shift our thinking, though, as followers of Christ, because trust is bigger than that. That's one thing for me. Another area where I really have feel, felt like I've been challenged, feel like I've been growing, is understanding my role as pastor. Um, come June, I will, I, I will have been pastoring for 19 years. I told you guys this a little while back, though. 19 years I had the title pastor. <laughs> I would say that the actual uh, role of pastor has only fit me for about three or four years now because it's been an incredible growing curve. Here's one of the greatest things that I've come to realize. You guys and me, you're very broken. You're very broken. And I'm very broken. I already knew that. What I didn't realize is that I can't fix you. Pastors have this thing. So let me just tell you a little secret about pastors. Pastors really like to be needed. Pastors really like to be wanted. Pastors get a lot of their value from being needed and from being wanted. It kind of strokes that, that part of the ego. Uh, it, it, it makes a pastor feel, feel good about themselves. Like, because pastors have jobs that are really kind of weird. You know, like if, you are, if you're a plumber and you go to work, you can come home at night and you can say, you know, like today was very productive. I fixed two drains and got that one toy out of those, those, that family's toilet. And you're like, man, I feel like a rock star. I did it. Or if you're a builder, you know, like today I erected a wall and it was amazing. Like you can see the fruit of your labor. Pastors, not so much. Like sometimes you go to sleep and you're like, yeah, I met with three people today. And one of them told me I was doing a really crappy job and they don't know if they want to go to the church anymore. And one of them told me that my meeting with them last week didn't go so well. So they're still going to divorce their wife. And the other one was like, hey, uh, I liked your message last week. I just wish you wouldn't have said this, this and this. And so then you're like laying on your bed at night and you're kind of like, man, I, I don't feel like I have much to show for it. Or maybe you didn't meet with anybody. Maybe all you did that day, which is kind of the role of a pastor, is maybe all you did that particular day was study a little bit and, and pray. But you, you know, you, you feel kind of, I don't know, feels kind of puny sometimes. So you want to fix people. But you know what? I can't fix you. And Wesley can't fix you as your brother. And Jennifer can't fix you as your sister. Only, only the Spirit of God can really come and work 
transformation and formative work in your life. So my job is not to fix you. So for those of you who are looking for a fix, don't call me for that. But I will offer you this. I will offer to you to walk with you and, and to help you to recognize the work that God is doing in your life. That's part of my role. And the other part of my role is to also teach you how to look to other people, not just to me. And so I'll help you with that, too. But I think that it's been, uh, and this goes back to trust, because then you go to bed at night and you're like, dang it, I didn't fix anybody today. Such a crappy pastor. The best was when I met with one guy, they don't go here anymore. And, um, <laughs> and he sat down with me and he asked me all these questions. And, and, and I just kept, if you've ever met with me one-on-one for coffee, you know this by now. But I just kept coming back with questions for him. Well, what do you sense God doing here? What, how, do you, how do you recognize God in this part of your life? And, and he had answers. Like, he really had to think about it. And, he really, and, and at the end of the meeting, he says, but what do I do? What do you have to offer me to fix this part of my life? I said, man, I can't give you anything. I, I'm not that good. I'm just not. I can give you tools, but you don't, you're not going to do those anyway. I know that. I've gone to a counselor. I don't do the tools when they give them to us. They're like, look, if you do these three things, this is really going to help you. And I'll just give you my $75 again next week. <laughs> we'll try it again. I get it. I get it. So I, I, that's one of the things that I'm really learning. And, and just so you know, you know, maybe to you it might not be a big deal, but to me it's a huge deal when I realize that I can't fix you and when I realize that God's not asking me to. That's good for me. And just so you guys know, as a church, that's good for you too. That's good for you. Uh, third thing for me is God has really been teaching me the value of roots, the value of being planted, the value of being connected, giving myself to a place, a space, and to a people, to you guys. Jeremiah 26, uh, I'm sorry, 29, 6 through 9, one of, one of my, just, it's one of my favorite um, you know, one of your favorite verses might be Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It's that it's that good old. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You know this verse: plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to make you prosper. Um, it's a nice verse. It's it's uh, it doesn't mean what most of us think it means, but it's it's nice. But right before that, right before that, this is what the letter actually says. The prophet says there was a letter that was carried to uh, some guy who was the son of another guy. Uh, lots of names I don't know how to say. And here's what the letter said. Here's what the letter said. Now here's a message from God to all of you who are exiled in Babylon. So the people of, of Judah are exiled in Babylon at this time. He says, here's what I want you to do. Exiles. Exiles. I want you to build houses. And I want you to make yourselves at home. I want you to put gardens in. I want you to eat what grows in the garden. I want you to marry I want you to have children. I want to, you to encourage your children to marry and have children so that you will thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. But God, this isn't our country. I know that. I'm not worried about it. Make this place your home. Work for the good. Pray for the good of that country, Babylon, the ones who are holding you captive. And if things go well for Babylon, then things will go well for you. When it comes to roots and when it comes to well-being, 
Our desire for this community of faith is more of what Toya from Esperanza talked to us about last week. What can we do as a community of faith in this mid-city community to bring value to the community? To spend our time thinking about this community, praying for this community, investing our lives in this community, uh, spending our energy and our resources and our time in this community. I love that Toya is able to look at this group of 50 people and say to us, or as she says to me, she says, I see, I see God in this. I see what is good and true and beautiful in this, because that's the Spirit of God coming through you. This idea that we have for live, work, adopt, I encourage you, move to Mid-City, and if you can't move to Mid-City, work in Mid-City, and if you can't work in Mid-City, adopt some place in mid-city and i put i put something out on facebook this week for those of you who saw it but i'm so proud of our church because to date uh we've had about 100 people who have adopted monas uh that's good way to go everybody uh who's adopted monas the 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 mediterranean restaurant and by adopt what do we mean we mean make that your place make that make that kind of the place where when you go you're getting to know the people there and they're getting to know you and 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 it's just Um, it's not about saving the city. It's about building relationships and investing our time and investing our energy, investing our resources. Uh, The Bean Gallery has been adopted uh, by someone. So that's the coffee shop down the house, uh, down the street. Revel has been adopted. Mona's Revel Wands, the Mexican restaurant, has been adopted. Um, There's a salon that's been adopted. What else? Anyone else who saw these things? Um, G's Pizza has been adopted. Monkey Monkey has been adopted. Waffle House has been adopted. What has not been adopted by anyone in our church is a gym. So I noticed that. No one's adopted a gym. No one's decided, hey, I'm going to take my workouts to Anytime Fitness, and that's going to be my gym. So if that's kind of you, it's not me, but if that's you, I I invite you. Um, But listen, there, there there are relationships to be experienced all around this amazing community. There are relationships to be experienced. Mid-City is incredibly unique. People have time to talk in Mid-City. I'm telling you, I've been driving for Uber for for months now, and um, I I absolutely love it. I love talking. I I get to meet the, the most amazing people. But there is something just driving people around. People love being in this part of town. There is such a family, connected, community feel. So don't just order your coffee. Chat them up. There's experiences to be uh, uh, had. There are relationships to be experienced. There are conversations that the Holy Spirit is breathing on. I invite you to, to push into that. And if you can jog and talk at the same time, somebody adopt a gym. And then the last thing for me, something that I'm really growing in is just how beautiful of a people you are. And I love this. You know, there's this passage in Philippians where Paul kicks off, and he does this in a number of his letters, but he says in Philippians 1-3, he says, listen, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. And I've, I always, I, I told you, I was not a very good uh, patent, I, I was not a very good pastor at all. I was pastor in title for, for some 12 or 15 years. And I'd be like, okay, I thank God for your, uh, let's get to the good stuff. I've come to realize that, like, that is, that is so amazingly beautiful. And, and it was so pastoral, and it was, so, uh, it was, it was such a, a strength of Paul's 
is his passion for the people that God had brought into his life. And I just really do experience that with us as a community of faith. I love us. I love what God is doing um, in our lives. Sometimes I wish that God would act faster in some of our, your lives, but, but I, I just... I just love what God is doing in us. I like so much that we, we, we want to work towards, you know, when we have differences, being reconciled to each other and working those things out, not just jumping shit. I like that we want to practice forgiveness. I like that we want to practice mercy. I like that we want to grow in kindness and that we want to grow in the ways of grace and the ways of faith and the ways of the Spirit. So I really do thank God for you. I thank God for what he's doing in your life. I thank God for how God is using you in my life, in my wife's life, in my children's lives. I feel like I'm really part of a community. I feel like I'm part of, of, of something and a people that God is engaged with. These are the things. that There are probably more. You see, what once you get writing, you can write probably a lot. And there are probably a number of other things uh, that are going on uh, with me. But I feel like I just wanted to put some of those things out there for you tonight because I want you to know where I am. I want you to know what God is, what God is doing here. And I am looking forward to another year. I want to invite you to, 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 to I, don't even know, I don't even know what the right words are, but to be engaged and to re-engage. If you find yourself disengaged, to, to re-engage in, in the things uh, that God's doing here because being part of the community, it, it's, it's so important. You know, if I was just doing this by myself, Toya would have, you know, she would have just, she, I can't do this by myself. Wesley can't do this by, her, by himself. Sorry, herself, himself. <laughs> Sarita can't do it by herself. Like, like, like we, we're in it together. And, and, and here's the thing. May we never forget. God cannot, and I actually use the word cannot, do this by God's self. God can't do it by God's self. God has always, throughout the entire history of humanity, God has always done God's work through people. That's how God works. And so we're connected. The Spirit of God is present. The Spirit of God fills us. The Spirit of God moves us. The Spirit of God moves about our community and continues to draw people to the life of the kingdom. That's what we're signed up for here. That's what we're doing together. Amen?